Amen. Thank you, Sarah. And I think I can come down just a little bit. My wife says some of that to me sometimes. You can just come down just a little bit. All right. Hey, it's good to see you today. I'm glad to see you and uh, glad that you're with us this morning. And our congratulations and blessings to those who followed the Lord Jesus Christ in believers' baptism. And uh, just so thankful for, for this and for new lives in Jesus Christ. And what a celebration it is when someone follows the Lord Jesus Christ in obedience and following the Lord Jesus himself. You remember Jesus himself was baptized. You remember know that? Some believe that he walked as many as 60 miles to be baptized by his cousin John. Not that he had any sin in him because there was no sin in the Lord Jesus, but uh, that he would become sin for us and that served as a symbol and as a picture of his coming death and burial and resurrection. Now, before I go any further, that if you're a child, there is a children's church and children can be dismissed now. And so uh, we're just so thankful for this and for this ministry. So there are children here that wish to be within the children's time that they're having right now, then you can be dismissed just now. Well, I don't know uh, if you have ever witnessed a high school or collegiate wrestling match, uh, then you have seen probably one of the most uh, intense and strenuous athletic events. Now, you don't have the glitz and glamour. Uh, you don't have uh, ropes and turnbuckles. You don't go two out of three falls. There are none with no time limit. There are no cage matches. But I mean, this is real intense wrestling. Three periods, two minutes each, six minutes total, unless you were pinned to the mat. And if you've seen one of these, you know that uh, many of these matches will end in the last seconds of a wrestler holding on to his opponent and not letting him go. Early in God's Word, we read about a man who found himself in a wrestling match in the evening that lasted until the break of day. I invite you to take your Bible this morning and turn to the first book of the Bible, to the 32nd chapter of Genesis. And I want to begin there in verse 24 and uh, just uh, begin with talking about this making by breaking. As we look at this man named Jacob this morning, and hope that you'll pay attention this morning to these particular Uh, for what we find here in this 32nd chapter, Genesis chapter 32, begin reading in verse 24. The Bible tells us this, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, 
He, this man, touched the socket of Jacob's hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And the man said, let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So the man said to Jacob, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, well, tell me your name, I pray. He said, why is that you ask me about my name? And the man blessed Jacob there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, or Peniel, the sun rose on Jacob, and he limped on his hip. God can use brokenness to bring about his blessing in and through our lives. And I find that's often God's way, that God uses brokenness to bring about the blessing in and through our life. The wrestler's arena is a rocky valley. Jacob is by himself. He feels the cold slap of the wind. He has a caravan that is before him, and now he is left alone, and he has much on his mind. He he is troubled in his mind, and because it is that he has neglected God in his walk and in his life. Jacob had sent a messenger of reconciliation to the estranged to his estranged brother Esau, and if you know the story about Jacob and Esau, twin boys to Isaac and Rebekah, because we know that years before, Jacob had deceitfully taken his brother's birthright and his father's blessing, and now Jacob fears that Esau is coming to meet him with an army that is intent on revenge, because remember that Esau said, I will get my brother one of these days. Well, here is Jacob alone by himself, trying to rest, trying to sleep. And the match begins. A hand reaches out and grabs Jacob, and they wrestles in the shadows with an unknown person. Now, on the screen of God's Word, we see a wrestling match that is deadly serious, and I think that uh, one that all of us is engaged in at some time or another in our lives because it is intense. The word wrestle here, in the Hebrew, it literally means to to roll in the dust. I mean, it's not a shoving match. I mean, they were down and they were rolling in the dirt. And the question through the years has been this. Who grabbed Jacob? Who took hold of Jacob? Uh, Was it an assassin from the camp of Esau? Uh, There are some rabbis who, uh, through the years, thought it was Jacob's guardian angel. So... uh, I guess we could say that Jacob wasn't touched by an angel. He was mugged by an angel, huh? Well, I believe after reading this and studying this over and over, I believe that what you find here is what we call, and here's a big kind of a theological word, it's called a theophany. 
theophany that, uh, that is the pre-incarnate form of Jesus Christ. We have pictures of a theophany in the Old Testament over and over of the pre-incarnate Christ. I, I believe that when we read in the book of Daniel about those three Hebrew boys that were in the fiery furnace and King Nebuchadnezzar looked in the fiery furnace and he didn't see three, he saw four, uh, that the fourth one there was that of the pre-incarnate of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that that's what we have here. After all, Jacob called him God. The prophet Hosea in Hosea 12 in verses 4 and 5, the prophet called him both an angel and the Lord. And and so you've heard the phrase through the years, uh, make or break. Well, God is making by breaking. And just as Jacob desired, God wants to bless us. He really does. Now, you know, we often flippantly say, don't we? We say to someone, well, God bless you. But blessing really only comes when we are broken. Uh, the Hebrew word for blessing here is used only of God's work as he pours out his life and as he, as he shares his goodness. And so in the Old Testament, the intensive form of the verb is usually used that God gives an industrial strength blessing big time. Late Dr. Billy Graham used to say, God bless you real good. And God's, uh, Wrestling and breaking are designed to help our life, not hurt us. If you've ever broken a bone, you know that, uh, that when a broken bone heals properly, that if the doctor said it right and did it right, that uh, we're stronger in the broken, that broken place. So how is it that God uses brokenness to bring about his blessing? Well, there's some truths I just want to share with you this, this next few moments. Now, look at these if you would. They ought to be on the screen. Truth number one will say this, that brokenness allows failure so that success may be found. Now, let's go back and look at this again. Let's look at Jacob. Jacob the wrestler. Jacob had been a phony for years. Life was a stage. He was the strutting star, always come, coming out on top, able to outwit Esau, his father Isaac, even his father-in-law Laban. Uh, David uh, said, King David said in the 33rd, 31st Psalm, he said that I am like a broken vessel. Well, David used a word that means to burst because the time will come if it hasn't already, when you feel as if you, you have exploded. But, but it is then that God, what He's doing is, is that he, He's picking up the pieces of your life and finally putting them together His way. There's one preacher of yesterday who used to say that revival is not so much the top blowing off as it is the bottom falling out. Ministry is not about entertaining, but yes, it is about to leading others to Christ, winning them to the Lord Jesus Christ, discipling them and helping them grow in their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The cross doesn't need glitz. The cross stands on its own. And I think that many could, could just testify this morning, and 
you could testify and point to a time in life when, when failure was allowed in your life in order for God to do His work in and through your life. Think about it, the biblical heroes. You think about a Moses. Uh, Moses, uh, for the first 40 years of his life, his phrase was, I can. I can do anything. But for the next 40 years on the backside of a desert, Moses is going to learn, I can't. And for the next 40 years of Moses' life, he's going to learn, God can. But there was a brokenness that came in Moses' life. For, for a Joseph in the book of Genesis, think about Joseph. It was a 13 years from going from the, the pit to the prison before he ever entered into the palace. And for a Simon Peter, it was learning the ups and downs until finally on that one particular evening of boasting and bragging that Peter said, as when Jesus talked about his death, that Peter said, that I will die for you, Lord. Lord, I will lay down my, my life for you. But when the heat was on, we know that Peter ended up denying the Lord Jesus Christ those three times. The Gospels say that when Jesus Christ, when Jesus looked at Simon Peter, that uh, after the third denial that the rooster crowed, and as Jesus looked at Peter, that Peter went out and he wept bitterly because he was broken over his sin for what he had done against his Lord and against his Master. Brokenness brings blessing. But God has another maneuver. Brokenness crucifies self so that the Spirit might win. Now, there's a word that came on the scene about, oh, 10, 15, 10, 11 years ago, 12 years ago, and it's that word selfie, okay? Selfie. In fact, it was such a popular word that the Oxford English Dictionary 10 years ago made that the word of the year. The prolific phenomenon of taking self-portraits with a smartphone flooded the culture with frequency of occurrence over and over. And I think we know that that, that everyone uh, who is anyone has probably posted a selfie somewhere along the way on the Internet. Now, this practice of posting yourself in pictures may be far more than a trend because I know some folks who really like to do it and they like to do it a lot. But you know, it could be an unhealthy, increasingly unhealthy interest in the very thing that Jesus calls us to deny, and that is self. And you know what? I think if old Jacob, had he lived in our day and time, Jacob would have had a smartphone. And uh, Jacob uh, would have taken uh, a lot of selfies of his own life. The very name Jacob means heel catcher. It means uh, liar. It means that of a of a cheat of a uh, of someone who is deceptive. His name pictures his self centeredness, his lust for more. That Jacob was his themes was I, I, I will grab for whatever I want, I can do it myself. 
But God's desire for us is the testimony of the apostle, of the apostle Paul. Paul who said in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 that I have been crucified with Christ. That it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives within me. That the life that I now live, Paul said, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me, who gave himself for me. Think about Saul of Tarsus before he ever became the Apostle Paul, that there was a lot of Saul in this man. Or as David said, that, that yes, that I am as a broken vessel. The, the Hebrew word means to lose oneself. Well, we talk to a man, we talk to a woman, and they say to us, well, you know what, I, I am a self-made man. I am a self-made woman. Well, self-made men, why don't you create life with no, with no raw materials? Self-made men create the air you breathe. Create the water you drink. Self-made men, uh, why don't you create that blood in your own body? God is trying to get the Jacob out of us. It is self, yes, that can destroy a marriage. It is self that can destroy a home. It is self that can make you rely on your abilities, on your education, on your knowledge. And yes, I say to you today that it is self-conceit, self-sufficiency, and self-will that can destroy the local body of Christ if we're not careful. Self-proclaims. I'm the devil's advocate instead of saying that I am the Lord's servant. It is self that feels rejected, self feels neglected. Humility is not despising yourself, it is distrusting yourself. And so, just as water, by the way, I hear some water going right now, but water that seeks to fill the lowest places. So God is looking for a truly broken person to be his riverbed so that Out of your inner being, as Jesus said in John 7, will flow through you rivers of living water. That Jesus wants to fill, He wants to flood, He wants to flow in and through our life. And we, like Jacob, yes, so oftentimes we want to receive, we want to get a blessing. But oh, God wants to make us a blessing unto others. That when you give your heart and your life to Christ, that Christ Jesus lives within you, that His Spirit comes to live within you, that the Holy Spirit is in you in the inner person. And as Paul said, that our inner man, yes, is being renewed day by day. We know of another apostle, the Apostle John. John was the disciple whom Jesus loved. And when Jesus called the twelve, you go back to that very day that uh, Jesus nicknamed John and his brother James the sons of thunder, the soon angry ones. Now, you remember that time that John and, and James, his brother James, wanted to call down fire on the prejudiced Samaritans. I mean, they just said to Jesus, Lord, let's just nuke those guys, okay? I mean, for what they, who they are and what they've done. And so the thunder rolled, the, the lightning flashed, but <laughs> Jesus rebuked them and he said, gentlemen, he says, uh, you don't know what kind of spirit you're of. 
Ultimately, the pushy personality, the, the hair-trigger anger was, was not just changed and transformed, but, but exchanged that Jesus Christ loving through John. Well, what kind of spirit does it, does it come from, comes from you? Is it self? Huh? Does ambition flow? Does anger flash? Or do people say, well, you know what? This man, that little lady, they know God. They have a walk with God. We, we can see Jesus living in and through their life. But God uses another wrestling move. The third truth is this. God brings desperation so that faith might be supreme. Now look at this again. Jacob wrestled until God dislocated his hip, that socket. You ever had a dislocated hip? You ever had a bad hip? You've ever had hip surgery? God wanted his will to win, and he won Jacob purged of self-sufficiency. Well, he wants to pin our wills to the mat of submission so that we don't cry uncle. No, what we do is we cry out Lord. We cry out Master. You know, the Bible is just full of paradoxes. That is, we think about it, the way to win is to surrender, submission. That the way up is down, that the way to gain your life is to lose it. The way to get and receive is to give, the way to live is to die. And in brokenness, you distrust your best and you embrace Christ's best. But oftentimes, dear friends, God has to touch us at the source of our strength so that we no longer fight. But all that we can do is we cling and we, we hold on. And no wonder that we read where the psalmist says in Psalm 46 verse 10, Be still, that is literally cease striving and know that I am God. It's not our striving and struggling, but our clinging, our tenacious faith that says... Lord God, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And then and only then could the God-man promise, you have prevailed. Every difficulty, every call from God is a call to God to trust Him, to seek His face, to desire His person even more than His blessing. Jesus said, for what we know to be the Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. For what? For they shall be filled. And yes, I believe we could say, blessed are those who wrestle, for they shall win. But as we look at it, God's not finished. God's not finished with us until we understand that brokenness leads to change and transformation. So here's the fourth truth. Brokenness confesses need so that change and transformation might be real. You go to verse 27, and the Lord asked Jacob, he said, all right, he says, uh, what is your name? Well, to the Jews, we know that a person's name represented character. Jacob admitted his name. I'm Jacob. But his name meant deceitful, liar, the one who trips up. Uh, Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 17 that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. And then ask the question, and who can understand it? 
Well, Jeremiah could have said, well, the heart is Jacob. In essence, Jacob confessed, Lord, this is who I am. I'm Jacob. I'm Mr. Deceiver. I have played the game. I have faked it. I am full of self. And Jacob left the riverbank not strutting but limping and made new. Indicated by his new name Israel which means God rules. God was ruling his life. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Is Jesus the master of your life? Does God rule and reign over your life, of all of your being? Is there an evident limp in your life, an area that reminds you where there was that moment in time that God touched your life? The fifth and final truth says this. Brokenness results in service so that God might be glorified. We go back up to verse 20 of that same chapter in chapter 32 and we see the culmination of uh, Jacob's conniving to try to appease Esau. He thinks Esau's right hot on his heels. He sends messengers ahead to make a, a, a flattering, buttered up message by, by calling, uh, uh, calling to, to Esau and saying to Esau, I am your servant, Jacob. To his brother. Uh, Jacob gives gifts to his brother to find favor, but, but he's on to something, though ignorant of the need and, and nature of the service. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we may make a choice to either exist or really live. And, and you know, even the world loves those who serve, don't they? They really do. John 12, verse 25, Jesus said that anyone who who lives their life, who loves their life, are the ones who are going to lose it. Uh, but, but anyone who hates their life in this world are the ones who are going to find it. Now, Jesus used a word that actually speaks in the present tense, literally, that you are actually gaining right now, not just later in heaven, but right now. Also, you who love your life, listen, what's happening is, if you're the one who feels like you're number one, if there's Jacob in you and you feel like you're the strutting star, then uh, you're destroying it right now. In service, we gain by giving. That we particularly become like our master, like our savior. Maybe you've heard this story before heard this before. Let's just suppose that um, you're in a business and you're part of the human resource. You're part of the human resource division and the personnel department. And uh, let's just say that our Savior, that Jesus Christ visits you for a job interview. And so we ask, Jesus sits down and we ask, what's your name? And he says, Jesus. Uh, you say, well, I detect an accent. I don't think you're from around these parts. Where did you used to live? He says, heaven. 
Well, Mr. Jesus, do you have any other references? And he says, well, my Heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit. Well, sir, do you go by any other names? And he says, well, Jesus Christ, Son of God, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel. You can call me Lord. Well, what was your previous job, Mr. Jesus? Well, I was CEO of the universe. Well, what position do you desire? Servant. Would it fit your personnel agency's profile? God came to this earth, person form of Jesus Christ. And Jesus came get to get down and dirty with the poor and needy and to die for the sins of creation. And as Paul says that he took the form, yes, that of a bondservant. Jacob understood service only after his time of brokenness. And so when we come to the next chapter, in Genesis chapter 33, that when Jacob did meet Esau, then his service was acceptable. And in Genesis chapter 33 and verse 11, we hear the words, Please accept the present that was brought to you, for God has been gracious to me, Jacob says, and I have all that I need. Only then could Jacob be Esau's servant because he was the Lord's servant. And only when he had met God face to face could he help his brother. Service is not to gain leverage, but to give a blessing. And so without brokenness in and through our lives, our spiritual gifts, our personality profiles, our natural talents present Jacob and not Israel, that God rules and reigns in and through our life. Service to God, service to others is only because of God's gracious dealings with us and His working through us. I shared this story in the first service. One of God's special servants, he died seven years ago, was a man by the name of Wesley Dewell. He died in March, 19... Uh, excuse me, March of 2016 at 99 years of age. He, he was an author and a missionary, and he, he, he wrote much about revival. Wesley Dewell once told the story about the great Welsh revival of 1904-1905. Now, if you don't know anything about that, then just Google it sometime, okay? Just Google the Welsh revival, 1904-1905, and it'll tell you everything you need to know. In the 1970s, Dr. Dewell went to the little town in Wales because this town was so desperate and dark and needing for revival. And he met the last living people, two brothers, who were with a man not by the name of Evan Roberts, and that's another name you could Google, Evan Roberts, when the fire began to fall and when it all began. And these two men related to... to, uh, Wesley Dewell, that Evan Roberts had had prayed a prayer for 13 years. And his prayer was this, Lord, bend me. Lord, bend me. Lord, break me. Lord, bend me. 
And, and it was Evan Roberts' way of saying and praying, make me by breaking. And, and they share, shared with Dr. Dewell how, how this 26-year-old young Evan Roberts, he went to the pastor of his home church and he said this, get this. He said, God has given me a vision to see 100,000 people saved. Now, could you imagine that in the city of Georgetown, this area? But God has given me a vision to see 100,000 people saved. Would you let me speak to the youth? Would you let me speak to the young people after worship? Well, the pastor reluctantly agreed. And so after the pastor's benediction, after the pastor's departure, there were 17 teenagers that stayed behind, and they just sat on the first couple of rows here, just uh, sat there. And Evan Roberts put them on this row of pews, and then he did something that we would not do today. He went and locked the doors, and we would not do that, but he did. And he turned to the first young man, and he said this. He said, stand up. Now pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins and fill me with your spirit. You can sit down. He went to one after the other, having each teenager say the exact same words three times. Now, that technique is not taught in seminaries. You're not going to find it in any of our Christian bookstores. But what they did say is this, is that finally in the front, that one person, one young man began to weep and began to truly repent of his sins. And as the old Welshman told Wesley Dewell, they said, that, that's when the fire fell. That's when the wind began to blow. That that's where I was when it just seemed that that heaven came down. And Evan Roberts was asked years later these words, what sustained you those 13 years as you prayed that prayer? Lord God, bend me. Lord, break me. Lord, bend me. Lord, break me. And Evan Roberts said, he says, you will never quit seeking after that which consumes you, which takes over your life. I ask you today, would you be willing to say this day, Lord God, there's a lot of things I don't understand. And I know that I've put self out front many a time, but I will not let you go unless you bless me. Lord God, make me to be like you. Make me to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. Even if you have to break me. My pride, myself, my self-sufficiency, for all that I am, O oh God, that you would break me. You know, David prayed a prayer. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. That a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. You'll not turn away. God will do that in and through your life. This morning I ask you, do you know Jesus Christ as Savior? Do you know him? Yes, to say that he is your Lord and your Master. You can say that there was that time in your life, yes, God has broken me. But listen, today, if you're without Christ, then I encourage you today that 
you would come to Christ to be your Savior, your Lord. Trusting in Him, saying yes to Him by faith and following Him. You can come and tell me about it, come to Brett, come to Alan, come to someone else and just say, you know, today I want to give my life and my heart to Christ. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ in believer's baptism. Take that first step of obedience and following Christ. Most of you are Christians today. You know, God's going to bless the church. God's going to bless the church body when self gets out of the way. And so we pray these days that in this time, for whatever God has for his church, for the church, for the body of Christ, that the Jacob that may be within us would be out. And God would touch us, and we would say, Lord God, bend me, break me. God, yes, can use brokenness to bring about a blessing, and that the Spirit of God to come down, and the wind blow, and the fire would fall, and we would see revival. God to come. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer, and then we're going to sing. If you need to come to me, if you need to come to Brett, come to someone this morning during this time of singing and need prayer, you do so today. Father, we thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father, as you, Lord, work in and through our life, as you are at work just now, all-powerful, all-knowing, always present. Lord God, we pray that you'll forgive us, Lord, when self has gotten in the way, when it has been about pride, it has been about self. And Lord, that it would be today, Father, that we would just seek to honor you in and through our life, that we would die daily. And Lord, knowing that we are crucified with Christ. And Father, that you would just do a mighty work in and through your church, your people, in the coming days, seeking your, your face, seeking you, Lord, and your, your life, Lord, for what you would do in and through these each day. So we thank you, Father, for this. We ask, Lord, you will draw those to you by your Spirit. Christ Jesus, be lifted up, Lord of all. And, Lord God, that our focus, our heart will be about him. Well, we pray this, we ask this, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with us as we sing.